and welcome to Lily High on Life with a really special guest, somebody I've been looking forward to interviewing forever because I, <laughs> I, I'm, I know her mum, okay? I didn't want to say it, but I, her mum is a very close friend of mine, love her dearly, and she's produced the most amazing, incredible daughter that I'm really, really excited to introduce you to today. Candy Hertz, thank you so much for being with me today. Lily, there is no one on the planet who could do a nicer introduction than you. That is so sweet. I'm sitting here with a little Cheshire cat grin on my face. That was so lovely. It's so nice to be in your home. Your family is so beautiful. It's just such a lovely start to today. Thank you so much. And you know, you meet people in life that you meet them because you know you're supposed to mm. and they just feel like family and mm. uh, your mum and you from the moment I met you you were having your hair done down in Ackland <laughs> Street remember. <laughs> exactly the same so Candy you really epitomize Lily high on life you're one of these people that is always smiling that always has a positive attitude so I'd just like to explore a little bit about what it is that gets you there but first and foremost you are doing some really exciting things in your life that you have created for yourself and that bless you each and every day. Tell us a little bit about what it is you do. Give us the PR pitch oh, first. Oh gosh, Lily, you know what? I actually had to equip my parents with um, a few sentences because, you know, for my brother, it's so easy. They say to my parents, oh, what is your, what do your children do? And they say, well, Mark, he's a lawyer. It's as simple as that. Candy, um, and they get a bit stuck. So I've now learned the speech and the speech goes like this. I have two professions. There, that's, that's already the start to make it simpler. Okay. Profession that's easy to explain is um, I work with, um, I work in education. So I've been a university lecturer for a decade now. This is now my 11th year. And I teach a variety of stuff, but it's always been under the umbrella of marketing, communications, content, production, that kind of stuff. I also work a bit in that stuff. So social media, digital marketing, strategy, branding, etc. And that's one profession. That's my, it uses a lot of my um, intelligence, my studies, my education. And then my second profession uses all my heart and soul. Um, and that's where I work as a presenter or a host or an MC. It has whatever title you want to give it. People call it different stuff. Um, I've worked in radio as an announcer there as well. I do broadcast. I do things like um, a lot of live sports. So big stadium stuff at the MCG or at sport, other sporting stadiums. And um, I also do things like, let's say, a red carpet or um, a community festival. So lots of different stuff. Um, but the two professions are really distinct. It took me forever to, to explain that well. So I hope that sums perfect. it up. It actually is perfect. And I'd love to just delve just a little bit more into both of them because mm. people understand and they hear the term branding and social media and PR, yeah. but they don't really understand what it is. So from the perspective of somebody who studied it and is now teaching yeah. it, could you just encapsulate just a little bit about what it sure. actually is? Yeah, so I think the best way to think about it is um, the reason why marketing really exists and advertising and content communication is to share with people options that they have to solve problems in their life. So if, for example, I'm hungry right now, I, I know that the solution could just be as simple as go to the supermarket, buy the first thing on the shelf, but it's nice that I have different information coming at me from different places 
that are suited to me, my lifestyle, my age group, my price range, um, and my desires. And that information is delivered to me in a variety of ways so that I'm enticed and excited to to have something a bit more um, interesting if I'm hungry, for example. Excellent. Yeah, so I think really um, a lot of people have some very negative feelings towards content, marketing, social media, all that kind of stuff, sponsored content. But I think if you think about it this way, if we didn't have different information being shared with us, then maybe when we go to the supermarket to get milk, we really do only have one milk. That's it. That's your one choice. Would you want that? Probably not. So you need to know that there are options. And I'm a consummate consumer, so I love it. I don't mind getting targeted emails and everything. And perfect example, there's a new milk called Milk by Cow. And we, Mum and I, saw an ad on television about this raw milk that's not from... we went out and found it and it was hard to find. Isn't but it so it funny down. though? Like we, we, we are communicated funny stuff like that we, we possibly don't need and our life would be fine without it. But I think advertising and marketing gives us the spice of life. So it shows us that we can have some variety. And if people do their job well, then it is really just targeted to the right person. When you are a brand and we talk about branding and strategy and and this is really what I teach, the, the purpose of a, a sorry, a brand does a really good job when they target people the right way. They actually know what's the right age group, what are their needs and wants, who is this person at their core, what do they, what's important to them, how much money do they have to spend, and when would be the right time and the right place to talk to them. And if businesses do their job well and brands do their job well, you shouldn't feel bombarded. And PR, public relations, yep. how does that differ? It's completely different because it's not paid for media. So in it, sorry, this is a very simple explanation. Of course, these are actually, I actually teach in two different degrees and both of those, there are entire degrees on this stuff. So I'm simplifying, but advertising content is paid for. So you, let's say you buy a spot on a TV show, you create an ad and you put it in that spot. PR is, I've got something I really want to share with you. It's a key message. It's something going on. It's either, let's say, for example, I'm launching something new or I've done some great research and here's some good statistics. And then that information will be shared um, with media outlets and then they choose if they want to write a story, do an article on it. So that's usually called earned media, like you earn it right? as opposed to paid for media. Um, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's really in its simplest form. So you don't look like you are old enough to have worked anywhere for 10 years, <laughs> but um, how did you get into the actual teaching of it? So interesting. I, I, um, I'd only been working in advertising for a couple of years. I, I was, to go back a few steps, um, I was just quite young for my year. So I finished school really young and I was so eager and excited to get straight to uni and get on with my profession and my life. So um, I finished uni at 20. Wow. So I was really young. Um, and I, I just um, got straight into my profession as well. I, I did travel and work a little bit, but, but not much. So I'd worked in advertising for three years and I kept close connections with my university because I, I, love, I love education and I love studying. And I just put the thought to them. I was like, can I be involved in the faculty? And they said, actually, we're trying to be a bit more industry focused. Um, you can teach a class called IMC, Integrated Marketing Communications, which is essentially advertising. And I started teaching at 27 
So teaching, performing, kind of the same bailiwick? Do you know, it, it, it really is, like, it, it, on, on a level. And actually, it's only got a correlation because I'm a presenter, not an actor. And the key difference between presenting and acting is acting is you're playing a character, you're learning a script, you're becoming something other than yourself. I chose to be a presenter because I just wanted to be myself every day, um, maybe with a little bit of sparkle. And you started talking at the age of nine months. Yeah, I, I don't know how that happened. I mean, I do know. I was too excited to, to, not, to spend another minute not talking. Yeah, I was definitely under one. And um, and apparently I, I got up and said something at the dinner table and all the adults just like lost the food in their mouths. And I didn't, I didn't stop since then. I think I've been um, a little bit of a chatterbox my whole life. And um, So it doesn't phase you that to be out in front of people? No, not at all. I do, please, please don't think, like people think, oh, you never get nervous. I, I, I like an element of nervousness yeah. um, because I feel like it means I care. So when I don't get nervous, it's usually because I'm so comfortable, which is a lovely place to operate from on many occasions. But there are also many times through my career where I, I truly have been the same level, I imagine, of nerves that the average person feels or, or something close to that. So we're well. all different. Yeah. And, you know, for many people, speaking in public, even to a group yeah. of 10, is as bad as as bad as life gets yes, for them. Yes, I understand. But other people don't. And yeah. I believe you've got to have a certain amount of self-awareness and like yourself a certain amount to be able to do what you've just done naturally. So it was yeah. obviously instilled from you. I don't you. know if that for me is, is where it comes from. For me, I feel like, um, I, I, yes, I do agree. You do obviously have to feel comfortable and not be self-conscious or shy or anything like that. Um Although I know some very good presenters who are actually quite shy off the stage. So that's a different conversation. But for me, I think I get asked all the time, like, what can I do to feel more confident presenting? And my biggest trick on the planet is research. Because if I research, practice, research, research, know what I'm talking about before I turn up to do whatever that is, whether even if it's as simple as I'm emceeing, you know, a, a corporate, let's say, launch, I research the company, I research the people in the company, I research the product that we're talking about, I look at their competitors as well. I actually do so much research. So when it comes to me presenting the information, it's just me talking. So Candy, how much of a role does the concept of, oh, what will somebody else think of me or what somebody else thinking about me, how much does that mm. role, does that play in your life generally, not just in presenting, but, and the reason I ask is because that really is what drives so many people. They care more about what somebody else thinks than what they yeah. think. I, I think there's a few levels to it because on a very, very surface level, I would say I'm mostly okay with that stuff. When it comes to what how do you mean I... mostly okay? Like do you I think don't, about it? Yeah, do I do, but I, I don't think it drives me and I don't think it, it suffocates me either. Um, but I do think when I look at reflect in the last little while on, for example, my social media platforms, I've moved my social media over the last few years into a very personal and private space. Um, when it comes to my friends and family, I post stuff about them very sparingly. I post stuff about what I'm doing and I, and I of course highlight and, and cherish that. My, oh, look at this brilliant stage I get to speak on today. And I'm so lucky. And, you know, I really 
do, you know, push the things that I'm doing professionally, but I do it because I want people to see that's what I do and to give me more work. So I use my, my social media platforms, which is the number one place where people worry what are people going to say, um, as my promotional tool, to be honest. So I, I don't really put myself in the position to be judged too much. Um, and I also don't... I don't know if I... Sounds like what you're saying is that you've got to focus on the goal that you want. Yes. And you're not, you don't let anything deter you from what your goal is and what your focus is. And other people are a distraction on what they think. In this industry, you will get yourself in a lot of trouble if you get yourself worried about what other people are saying and and even worse than that where you'll get yourself in even bigger trouble is if you worry about oh I got that gig oh I didn't get that gig oh I've lost this gig now oh look at the person who's now got the job instead of me oh they're better than me they're prettier than me they're smarter than me if you go down that path you, you will you can't you will not survive and what about the um, oh, they'll think I'm an idiot if I do this, or they'll think um, I'm stupid if I. Does that come no, into your brain I, at all? I don't. I don't um, take on that sort of work. So I think my values sit quite at the front of what I choose to engage with, and there's very rarely something I'll do. I've done a few silly things. I did something a few years ago where I was um, I was an MC for a, it was a, an activity at a shopping centre and we were doing like a Japanese TV show and I had to wear like a silly outfit. And yeah, for that, I think I'd be a little bit uncomfortable. This was quite some time ago. If someone walked past and they were like, oh, we can't take her seriously. Look at what she's wearing and what she's doing. But I don't really take on anything that people would ever say, oh, you know, what's she doing or what's she thinking? I do, however, have situations where I take on stuff that I don't know much about and I am worried about that stuff but again I fall back on research if you research and you know what you're doing you you at least look that way to other people Mm. and quite frankly that's more important and what you started to say just a little bit earlier where you do get nervous and you do get uptight is that a lot of people just assume somebody who's as outgoing and out there as you yeah. <clears throat> doesn't have those moments of doubt yeah. doesn't have those moments of of um you know sort of what am I doing here yep. doesn't have moments of depression or moments of feeling really bad yeah. but the truth is it's the amount of time that you give between the two absolutely and I actually think um something that I've really a skill I've, I've brought into my world um that's helped me through all of those things is I just move through things quicker now. So if I do have those nervous moments, or even if I, you know, I've done stuff where I've presented somewhere and I'm so upset with my performance or whatever, I give myself a moment to grieve it because I'm allowed to feel, you know, horrible about what I've just done. And then I just move on. I, I just do. And I, I think it's been a bit of self-training to get myself into that position. But yeah, I um, there are times when I might have to call a friend just before I'm going to go live with something and I just say, I'm so nervous, I just need to swear and, and stamp my feet and yell on the phone to someone to get that pent-up energy out. Um, and then and then from the minute, I know that I know this about nerves and, and this is a tip I really can give people. Those nerves live with you, like in you, in every cell of your body when you're nervous for something up until the moment you start. But the minute you open your mouth and you start, it dissipates. So if I can just get myself to that moment, usually then I can breathe afterwards and say, okay, I'm gonna, I've made my way through this. And, and I borrow that learning for next time. I go, 
Remember, Candy, you survived last time, you'll survive again this time. And so many people don't allow themselves the opportunity, but it's feel the fear, yeah, you have to but feel do it. it anyway. Absolutely. And, and I never want to dismiss stuff. I, I don't like when people say things like, oh, you'll just get over it or, you know, it's fine, just push through. No, you, you need to feel it. Like you can't dismiss it. it. It's there and you need to acknowledge it, recognize it, have some plans in place for how to, you know, calm yourself through it. For me as well, another thing I do on really nervous days is I turn up majorly early. Then I don't have the stress of driving in, parking, getting myself Great there. idea. I make sure I'm up really early. I have good breakfast. You know, I've got myself an energy drink or whatever I need to, to pep me up a little bit. Um, and then I'm just there early. And, and then it gives me a chance to have conversations with people. That calms me down again. And just practice. And there are so many directions I want to go in at the same time. So I'm just going to take a stab in one and <laughs> okay. hopefully we'll have time too. Um, but as we mentioned, your mother's a very, very special person on so many different levels. And I know that uh, you have an extremely close relationship with her. Mm. And you've shared things, and I'm not even talking going into personal things that have happened in the family, although everybody has those. But you've gone on spiritual adventures and yeah. tours and things with her yeah, we have. into areas where you really explore and discover not only the world but inside yourself yeah. as well. Could you talk a little bit about some of those insights? Because I know that some she schlepped you on and others you <laughs> schlepped her no, on. No, it's usually, it's usually her. She's the trendsetter. I usually am the, uh, the plus one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it started in childhood, really. From when we were little, mum got all of us, my entire family, um, she'd get us books and tapes on just being a better person or, or thinking differently or giving you coping skills in life or whatever it is. And for our entire lives, I think we've all been um, absorbing information that we didn't even realise was so high level. I think we just thought that's normal information. That I, I, I really think it's what they get in schools now. Um, definitely not when I was growing up. But the first really big thing was for my 30th birthday, mum bought me a ticket to join her at Gwingana, which is a health retreat. And it was really the start of um, my personal journey into, um, you know, listening to things, uh, listening to amazing speakers on topics that are, are very much, you know, very holistic in, in their nature and um, eating in a particularly different way and um, detoxing your body and your mind and, and all this kind of stuff. So we did Gwingana together. We've done lots of like weekend courses that each time we usually get like, each time we turn up, Lily, I promise you this happens. And we it's usually a two-day course and they're not, you know, some of them are not too expensive. So you'll turn up day one and we'll both look at each other and be like, we'll leave at lunch if we don't like it. And then we get through the lunch and we're like, okay, well, we'll leave like at, at three-quarter time if we don't like it. By the end, comes to the end of the two days that we've made all the way through, we're like, I'm so glad I stayed. And we always get at least one thing out of it. But last year we did probably one of my favourite trips we've ever done together. Um, at the last minute, I decided to join mum on her. Um, she called it basically her gap year. And um, she went for a trip around Europe and I joined her. But we a big part of it was we joined um, a thing called Mind Valley, which is really an... Um, face-to-face -face educational tool that's basically everything I've just been speaking about but full-time it's also got weaved within it lots of interesting education on things like marketing and digital and strategy and um, you know all finance and all that stuff to make you a great holistic human 
But this one, we got to be in Croatia together for two full weeks. Wow. It's actually meant to be a month, but we did two weeks. And um, and we got to be with people from around the world, a thousand people from around the world. And every day we'd sit in these rooms with people who were just, who wanted to be connected and, and really energetically charged and, and just good, interesting, varied humans. And we spent two weeks learning so much that is still today. We'll be like, remember when this happened or we heard this comment or... There was that learning. It still, you know, makes its way into our lives today. Yeah, we've done a lot of that interesting stuff together, but actually, Lily, honestly, I'm the plus one. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually signed up for Mind Valley because it just sounded amazing. Yeah. And it absolutely right. is. Yeah. But the concept that these things are going on in the world. Yeah. And, you know, you say Croatia, you know, there was in Croatia. Well, just the concept that this would be happening in a place like Croatia. Yeah, amazing. Right? And we're not talking about hundreds of people. We're talking about thousands Yeah, of and you people. know, there's so much. Once you accidentally open this door, you realise that you've actually opened an entire world, literally a whole world of interesting learnings. And, and you know, people don't have to pay much or go anywhere. You can find them in podcasts all over the place. Your podcast is doing that. You're educating people and broadening their minds and giving them something different to think about that's different to how they currently think within their realm. And I think if you're willing to be open and, and see how other people approach life, you might just find there's another way to do things. Absolutely. And yeah. and I do listen to the Mind Valley podcast yeah. regularly. Yep. Are you still listening? Are I, you still connected? I was actually, I'll be really honest, I was never listening to them. And what happened was... <laughs> I turned up day one of Mind Valley, and everyone else had been a Mind Valley like deep subscriber for a long time. So turning up to this conference was like, for them, it was like they were you know seeing their favorite band on the planet for two four weeks. And we turned up, and people would it, people went away from the superficial. Hi, how are you? What do you do? Oh, that's cool. What are you doing for Christmas? And they go straight to your soul. You'll literally be like, "Hello, my name's Candy," and they'll say, "Hello, my name's Lily," and then she'll say something like. What's your intention for life? What do you hope to get out of today? What, you know, what enriches your world? And you're like, what? I, didn't, I don't know. So the first day someone said to me, you know, what's your intention and at what time frame do you want to do it? I was like, my intention is to go for lunch and I hope to go soon. Like I hadn't set any intentions for the entire thing. I had no idea. So a lot of people who go to this thing are, are deeply connected to it. I'm a little bit fickle. I like to bounce around. I'm so interested in so many different things that that was my interest for that moment. I'm very into um, the app Clubhouse at the moment. It's a brand new social media platform um, that's just come out and I'm spending a lot of time listening to that and, and getting a lot. I have not heard about it. That. It's, it's, it's brand new in Australia. It's been around for a couple of months overseas. It's called the app Clubhouse? Uh, sorry, yeah, it's just called Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Uh, yeah. So when you came back from Croatia... Did you notice if things had changed and how yeah, so? Yeah, I actually, after every one of these conferences, whether it's a half a day conference or a podcast even or a whole week away, um, there's always a shift. And sometimes it's not obvious straight away. Sometimes it takes months to look back and go, oh, I, don't, I didn't realise I don't do that anymore. Or um, it's not always... Uh, some people go to these things and they're like, my, my life has changed forever. It's life-changing. And I think you set yourself up for a little bit of failure with that because then there's an expectation of something dramatic happening but actually I think great change happens on a very deep level and very slowly so something might have been sparked in me then that maybe even now I still don't 
realize is going to create a change when it's the right moment for that change to come through for me so yeah the answer is definitely yes every time I walk away feeling inspired and enlightened um, but the change that's made isn't always so obvious to me straight off the bat and I also love the fact that you're happy to jump in and do something that yeah. is different from what you've been doing I think that that's me <laughs> like I'm always happy to just get in and try something um, in fact I'm not just happy like I want to do that and not because I feel like some people operate from a constant place of I need to be challenged all the time I need to be somewhere different I think I just like variety I always have so that just offers that that you know joy to me so let me ask you whether it's in Australia or Croatia or any of these courses you've done um, and I'm also asking this because you're with your mother on a lot of them mm. and, and so when you're with anybody um, you don't socialize as much you don't make as many other connections do you in fact connect with other people have yeah. you stayed in touch with people yeah absolutely for every single thing I've done I've got at least one person that I still talk to absolutely and um, mum and I are social, so, um, and, and also mum likes a lot of quiet time. So she can go have a quiet time and I'll go have my extra social time. Or when we're together, we're happy to connect with other people. We still want to be together. We like to do things side by side, but we're happy to, if we don't bring other people in, then we, don't, we miss the chance to keep that depth, you know, so learning. just along those lines of connecting with other people, mm. from whether it's in Australia, around the world, people that are different... Talk to me a little bit about what that does for you because a lot of people also are a bit reticent about um, connecting with other people. They think perhaps they're being forward or they're, they're sort of not doing I have doing to be honest, I've travelled and lived in so many different places throughout my career and, and on a personal level as well. And I learned over the years that if you don't just... <laughs> I truly have walked up to people genuinely and just said, hi, I don't have any girlfriends here. Can we go for a coffee? Now, it's not a random person on the street. It'll be someone that I have an introduction to on some level. But I've, I've always done that. And, and I feel like it does take courage to do it. So I'm not dismissing that. But if you don't do that, you don't get to reap the rewards of that. And I, I feel that the upset and devastation for me to sit by myself and be lonely is worse then the little bit of anxious nerve that comes with plucking up that courage to be like, hi, can we be friends? So, That's great. But I do think, like, I don't want to dismiss that for people. That is really hard. And I think what's helpful to know is that if you are trying to connect with someone that you should be friends with anyway, they're never going to make you feel awful about asking. If you try and connect with someone and they're a bit weird or they're standoffish, good. You don't want to be friends with that person. So that's fine. But it's just... My friends from around the world, I can't tell you how much, Lily, I love it. Like, from different countries and cultures, my, my very closest friends, uh, we all met studying in America. One is a um, Christian American, true blood American. The other one is a Persian Indian Muslim. And then you've got me. And the three of us have been friends. This is our 19th year. And we, being from different countries and cultures, so again, one lives in America now, one lives in Pakistan, and I'm here. And through COVID, we've been actual saving grace in each other's lives. And we say it repeatedly all the time because it's just there's always someone on the other side of the world thinking of you makes the world feel bigger than it is. And do you actually talk um, by phone or text? Yeah, or what? so How do you... it's really cute. So we do, um, we do 
voice notes to each other within a, a three-way group on WhatsApp. Um, and then I very often speak to one of them on social media, via social media platform, and the other one I speak to on the phone and always have weekly at least. But how cute. On New Year's Eve this year, for the first time in 20 years, we did a three-way video chat. And it was just, you know, we had, we just got to see each other and we all just got so teary and thought we'd seen each other not too long ago because I did a trip to America and we were all there together face to face. But this was just like after the year it had been and what we'd been for each other to see each other in different time zones and different places, that deep connectivity, like was it Zoom or we just did it on, um, I think we did it on on a WhatsApp call. Really? WhatsApp has got video now too. And group chat too. Yeah. (laughs) Amazed. Yes. Yeah. Got the group chat. So how old were you when you first went away by yourself? Was it that trip where you studied in yeah, America? Yeah, I was 19. Yeah. So I studied in Miami for a year. And that was a life changer. I think I'd been at a, a beautiful school and I was so blessed to be there with amazing, you know, people around me my whole life. Were but you nervous before you went or more excited? I, or? Was, I was excited because, you know, Lily, I, I got to a point where... I, well, I went to a beautiful school and then I went with all my friends to the same university. I felt already, even at 19, I felt stifled by the bubble I was put in. And whilst I'm eternally grateful that I grew up in that bubble, I was ready to burst out of that quite early. Um, and my friends just wanted to stay in the same groups, doing the same things <clears throat> on repeat. And I wanted, I really was ready for something more. Did you know anybody before you left Luckily, I, I knew one guy because he'd done exchange to Melbourne before that. So I made sure I took him out and, and showed him Melbourne so that when I got to Miami, I had a friend. So I did have a friend, but I, it didn't matter because at college, you know, you meet people the minute you walk in the door. Fabulous, fabulous yeah. experience. I would have loved to have gone to college in America. What? I have to tell you the funniest story. I just said to you the, such an accidental funny thing. I said, you make friends the minute you walk in the door. But my girlfriend, Carrie, the American girl, the reason I made friends with her was because her actual physical door had fallen off the hinges and she was standing in the middle of the hallway holding the door going, can someone help me with my door? So actually, it wasn't that when you walk into a door, it's when you walk towards a door, I guess. <laughs> That's really That funny. is gorgeous. So, um, gosh, so much to talk about, so little time. Tell me about the first um, professional paid MC mm. hosting job that you got and what that took? So the very first role I emceed ever was this beautiful woman who I stayed friends with for a very long time afterwards and I'm so sad to say passed away from breast cancer but her name was Jeanetta and she was a fashion designer, a really beautiful um, beautiful fashion designer and it was her very first show and she was so anxious because it was her first show and I was so anxious it was the first time I was emceeing um, and mum and grand came to support me as they often do. And um, and it was great. And I just went, oh, this is it. Like I'd already worked out this was my profession when I did a course in TV presenting, very basic course. And uh, truly, Lily, I stood in front of the camera day one and spoke and I, in my soul, I just was like, okay, I'm, I'm here. Like this is what- You just I, knew. I knew it, was, it took one breath on camera. Um, and then this first MC role was really a chance to 
start putting some of that into practice. How did it come about? How did you find it? I think it, it was just on a, on a website okay. and it had been advertised. It wasn't any anything grand. Mm. Um, but but I, I formed, I work really hard to have good relationships with the people I work with and, and I wore her dresses to functions for years afterwards. So oh, gorgeous. she was very special to me, yeah. Because there's also <clears> a difference. People say, oh, it's so hard to find work and there aren't any jobs. And yeah. there's a huge difference between being an entrepreneur, finding your own work, and looking for a job. People are right though, Lily. It is really hard in this industry and I struggle too and I've been doing it for a decade. So it is an industry where you have to keep pushing and fighting and chasing and connecting um, and keeping your eyes open and keeping letting keeping um, others around you informed of what you want to be doing. Right. And you do that so well. And one of the big things I learned in America was um, the power of speech. So getting rid of the it's, it is hard to it's, it's a challenge. Okay, how yeah. much longer? Um, I know I've done this. I know I've got this. Where can I look next? Yeah. And that also gives you more of an impetus than the... Because confirming it's hard only recreates more of it being hard. I think that's a reality. And I think, I don't know, you think about other jobs, let's say construction, where you go, I know if I get a job in this that I'm going to be physically using my hands every day. So there's no point in complaining or being upset about it or being shocked because you knew it walking yeah. into it. That's what it was about. Walking into this industry, you know that it's going to be hard to find work and there's going to be lots of rejection and there's also going to be lots of, um, confusing, I've got a job, no, I don't have a job, all that kind of stuff. And that's just, you ex You have to accept it as just part of the role. Well, maybe, but you don't. I mean, you went and you created your own company with, around events mm -hmm. and getting out there to those kinds of events. Yeah. <clears throat> so it wasn't about, and with um, everything that we have that makes media so accessible to everybody, yeah. you create create your own work also yeah. that then leads you on. Absolutely. So, and I think um, the purpose of creating your own thing, whatever that is, whether it's something that you make money from or not, whether it's high-end with a full production studio or just you sitting at home, the purpose of doing your own thing is so that when you do then get the thing that you're chasing, you're going to know what to do with it. You're going to walk on stage day one or you're going to walk out in front of a camera day one and you're going to have the confidence and knowledge and experience to be able to do the job finally that you're going to be paid to do. So it's okay if you're doing just your own thing that's not paid or even if no one's looking at it, it's well, fine too. Yeah, because you're doing what you love and you're doing it anyway and this whole being paid for it thing only complicates it because... If you keep doing what you're doing and you love it, and you obviously do, yeah. do you want to just plug your websites uh, just here? Because the truth is I would love people to look you up and see you because you're an absolute natural. I mean, you look always look like you were made to do this. So, um, yeah, it's just my name, Candy, C-A-N-D-Y, Hertz, H-E-R-T-Z. And I always say to people, it's Lolly Rental Car. And if I remember that, so at www.candyhurts.com. Um, if you remember, that. if you think Lolly Rental Car, then it's a good way to remember the name. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, interestingly, um, work in this industry doesn't often come via a website. It usually comes. It's a good way to show what you do. It's basically a great portfolio. 
so much work comes from it's truly never advertised it's just who you're connected with and who knows you're around and you loved sports and so you actually became quite the sports host and presenter yeah well I think um regardless of my uh, hobby preference uh, I think sport is a good one because it's seasonal, which means instead of like chasing really hard for that one gig to do, let's say I often do things like um, St Gilda Festival, which I love doing, but it's you work really hard for one day and then it's done. Whereas if you can get yourself connected to a sport, then you at least have the season. So that's a really good one um, to connect with for that reason. But there's very few jobs. <laughs> and there's, there's, there's all of us that do it all kind of know each other because, um, you know, it's such a small pool. So it's a, it was a very lucky one I got into. And, and as a result of getting into one, I then bounced to, a, to the others after that. And then the event stuff that you were doing and promoting. Yeah. So I had a business for a long time, and I still have it, um, called On The List Melbourne like as in you made it on the list. Um, and yeah, I created weekly videos that in the prime of me doing it, it was seen by 2.1 million Victorians a week because it was on Channel 31, it was in the Herald Sun online um, and it was also on a whole bunch of other platforms. And yeah, it was videos about what's happening in Melbourne each weekend. Um, it was an enormous amount of work um, and quite expensive to put together each week, but taught me everything I could ever need to know about all of my industries. So it brought my two professions together because I had to work on my own branding, marketing, digital media, um, strategies, etc. And then I got to present each week and produce the content and direct the content. What a fabulous experience. Amazing, like truly an education to myself for, for quite some time. I started it in 2014. I can't believe it was that long ago. Um, and it still exists in some form, I guess, online. I still and update it a bit. after COVID, certainly sounds like it's worthwhile yeah, resurrecting. Course. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, through COVID, there was no relevance to it. But the content was still, you know, still there. It was lots of interviews with... Um, local chefs and venues and stuff that you'd want to know about still today. So lots of relevance on the list melbourne.com.au. It's still relevant, but not where my focus lies anymore. Right. So your current focus right now, um, I hear you're doing a lot of voiceover work as well. Yeah, I'm loving that. It's actually an area that I'd like to invest a bit more time and effort into this year. It's really, it will be my focus more. Um, Voiceover work, a lot of people don't know exactly what that means but um radio ads or um videos that are made with animation rather than someone in it or what i do a lot of and i actually had someone call me the other day and say oh my god i just heard you is i do what's called um it's ivr which is telephone stuff so if you ring someone and you say you know and it's like hi thank you for calling crown sorry we can't take your call right now um there's actually voice actors that do that stuff so i i do a lot of that as well. It's great work. I love it. It's a lot of fun. I have my own home studio and um, and I, it's, it's work that I just find so easy because I love it yep. so much. So um, in the time we've got left, I'd really like to uh, just change focus and talk about relationships because they really are what makes life worth living mm. or not in some cases. Oh gosh, hopefully. But so... You, um, you are blessed. You've still got a grandmother that's alive and well, and um, and parents and a brother, sister. What 
Tell me Don't a little bit. Don't give me a sister. Right? Oh, <laughs> oh, sister-in-law. Sorry. Yes. No, sister-in-law. Sorry, I do have a sister. In fact, I have almost two now. You're right. I'm so sorry, man. And what I love <clears throat> about um, what I hear from, from your mother is the, the kindness and the love that permeates into those relationships and it's really special mm. because you don't take each other for granted no, not at all. and when you do things for each other you do really special things that are meaningful so talk a little bit about how you feel and what those relationships have meant for you yeah you know I think um a lot of people and and Please don't don't take this as me not saying I had a tough time. But a lot of people maybe didn't get a chance to use what I think COVID offered us, which was space and time. Um, and whilst I found it tremendously difficult in some parts, I, I took so much um, joy out of the, the space it gave me to be able to reconnect with my family on a different level. On all of, and that's all of them. So I went for weekly walks when we were allowed to, of course. Um, with my dad, with my mum, with my brother and with my sister-in-law. And the connectivity I got through those walks, the conversations that we had, the depth of which we spoke about stuff, um, you know, when you're walking as opposed to sitting down and having a coffee, you feel like you can kind of talk about anything. So we kind of did just talk about everything. And the connectiveness that came out of that with all of them is a lifelong, I will cherish that forever. Like it's a lifelong game changer for us. I think we've all always loved each other but this helped us get to know each other a little bit more so I think when we talk about um, you know fa- family and connectivity where possible I adore being able to um, have one-on-one time with all of them to really just be a part of your world but be part of each other's worlds properly so how has your relationship with your brother changed over the years from yeah. when you were little to when you became adults? Do you know, I, um, we, we've always been little besties. Well, actually, I was four and a half years, I am still four and a half years older than him. And I like to be social and talk to people and play with people when I was little, of course. Um, and I was, I couldn't believe I had a built-in friend when Marky was born. So I would do whatever he wanted to do. He wants to play Lego, I will play Lego. He wants to play outside, I will play outside. He wants to sit by himself and read, I will sit next to him by myself and read. So I always adored him and and still absolutely adore him now. Um, As we grow up, it took us some time to find our feet as adults together. Um, And I think he is the most magical wife who I love with all my heart as well. And I think having another female in his life um, who, you know, we're actually quite similar um, has helped him see me through some different eyes as well. I think it's hard for people who grew up as kids together. I don't know about other people, but especially with such a big age gap, because it's not like we really went to school together even. When he was in year seven, I was in year 12, and then we were done. So, um, you know, to see each other as adults, I think, takes work, and it's a choice. And I think especially through this COVID chance, I think we got to know each other as adults. And... What a, what a beautiful, lovely place to be in because um, we're going to be in this place as adults for the rest of our lives. So, uh, I think I know the answer, but is mm-hmm. there anything that you can't talk about with your brother oh, or your mother or I anybody? Mean, or are you, because you sound like you're open and yeah. honest with your feelings and that's yeah. really part of what I was alluding to with 
with the courses and the other things you've done. People hold things inside. People speak to each other superficially rather than really. Yeah, that's true. No, I think um, there's always things that don't need to be shared is probably more to the point. I don't think any of us are oversharers. But if we want to talk about something we've never been, I've never had a feeling of you can't go there. So it's an open space and a respected space that if you want to talk about stuff, you can. And, And I probably talk more than anyone else in my family than anyone else I know. But I'm happy to be with them a real open book. <clears throat> when it comes to publicly, I'm, I'm unbelievably, surprisingly private. Excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> I actually, I'm doing traffic reporting at the moment and um, I'm up very early in the morning so my voice gets a bit croaky by the afternoon. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to... Um, I'm happy to really connect with them on on a much more soulful level, which means you have to be open and, and go a bit deeper. Sounds great, Can, uh, Candy. It's been amazing. I almost called you, you Carol. <laughs> what an honour! <laughs> um, but it's been really, really great to to speak to you, and so much we haven't talked about. But really, thank you for sharing and and for the the no, the flavour that we've had. Do you know, Lily, it's so nice. It's not until someone asks you a question in this format that sometimes it helps you get to know yourself a bit better and, you know, you surprise yourself with what you're thinking on something too. So until you get to have rich conversations like this, I think, um, you know, we can get caught up in superficial conversations instead by accident. Yes, and a lot of this, Lily High on Life, is actually about people hearing about other people so they can reflect on their own lives, not change them. Most people have really rich lives that they don't realize or appreciate and I know one of the greatest lessons I've learned in coming back to live in Melbourne after living in America is to appreciate the reality of what's real which is relationships and family absolutely and if nothing else you didn't learn that through COVID what were you doing (laughs) honestly yeah that was such a great chance to just reconnect on a soul level with what the basics are and that's just family really and relationships in general and not be afraid to go into emotional places because it really does enrich your life and everybody else's as well. Couldn't agree more. Really, thank Thank you so much. I know you were about to thank me, but I want to say thank you. I got so much out of today. Really, I did. Thank you. I'm so glad and uh, really enjoyed it. And um, uh, looking forward to seeing both you and your mum again really soon. (laughs) Maybe not when I'm at the hairdresser again. (laughs) 